0: Hi, I'm Anna.
1: And I'm Jillian. And this is the Hat Picks Podcast.
0: Just two dope ladies talking about soccer from across the country on the podcast No One Asked For.
1: Welcome to a special edition of Hat Picks. Uh, Today we are not going to be... Actually having any hat picks, this should have been a celebratory episode. There is so much good stuff happening in the world of women's soccer right now on the field. It's our one-year anniversary, but today Anna and I, Jillian, decided that we needed to focus on what is happening currently in the NWSL. This is the first week of October, and in the last several days, and months, a lot of shit has broken in the news. So I'll turn that over to Anna to give a brief overview of some of the stuff that's going on right now that we want to touch on.
0: Recently, an article came out from The Athletic where Sinead Fairley and Mana Shim, former professional soccer players who have played in multiple leagues um, in the history of women's soccer in the United States, who have spoken out about abuse that they were on the receiving end of from Paul Riley who is now the former North Carolina courage coach. They came forward to talk about the sexual coercion, the mental and emotional abuse that they received working with Paul Riley. Many years ago, Monashim has been retired for a number of years and so has Sinead Fairley. Um, They both played with him in Philadelphia. Well, Sinead Fairley played under him in the WPS in Philadelphia and then moved to multiple teams with him in the NWSL and was on the receiving end of mental and emotional abuse as well as was sexually coerced a number of times. And Monashim also was on the receiving end of that. And they have both bravely and had the courage to speak out about that. And Meg Linehan from The Athletic took their stories and wrote a very good article in The Athletic about their experiences. And this all happened years ago and has been allowed to continue and has been allowed to be hidden as a result of poor leadership within the NWSL, particularly under Lisa Baird, who was the commissioner. Um, she also got fired, or they accepted her resignation.
1: I think the board forced her out.
0: Yes, because this is not the first time that Lisa Baird has been willing to hide information under couching that in the betterment of the league. And it has not been the first time that she has not listened to the abused.
1: There she, there were some emails that came out where these players reached out and asked for further investigation into Paul Riley, and essentially... She said it, it seemed like she ignored it or overlooked it because it said that she she was like this email this investigation has been concluded, and we like can't share the findings and no. like basically like basically saying they didn't find anything and not doing anything else about it when these players had come forward asking for
0: something more yeah, and there's there's a lot more detail and it there's a lot more to to talk about in terms of what these players have actually gone through. And as much as I don't like paywalls, I highly recommend you checking out the full article from The Athletic that Meg Linehan, who is a very wonderful sports journalist, wrote. $8 may not be accessible to you. And if it's not, like genuinely email us and I will take screenshots. I will take screenshots of the article so that you can read it. But if you can pay the $8, then I think that the people at The Athletic – Deserve some of that money in terms a of good job. They did a really good job honoring the stories of people who had the strength to speak out about what they've experienced, while also respecting people who did not feel as though they could share their names alongside their stories. But also, if you can't do the eight dollars, let me know. Let us know. We'll make yeah. it happen for you.
1: Not only did Lisa Baird, as commissioner, seemingly ignore cries for help and further investigation from these women who did have the strength to come forward. She used to be on the U.S. Olympic Committee and was encouraging gymnasts to use Safe Sport, which was a program that was funded by USA Gymnastics and the U.S. Olympic Committee at the time. I believe this was all at the time of Larry Nassar and the awful, awful shit that he did. And so it kind of seems like there might be a pattern here of her ignoring very obvious stuff that is going on or just allowing it to continue, enabling.
0: Yeah, and as much as like we'd like to put all the blame on shitbags like Paul Riley, it's also really important to recognize that, like yes, men suck. Men in positions of power take advantage of that all of the time, and it's absolute crap. However, so, so do women, particularly white women, yes. who find themselves in positions of power and they uphold that power.
1: The patriarchy, white supremacy, in order to further their own interests, yes. Right.
0: And so Lisa Baird has done this time and time again, even when athletes, in particular gymnasts like Allie Raceman, who were vocal about why safe sports sucked and why it was not in their best interest, it was not in safe sports' best interest to... Actually, report what was being said because then it put USA Gymnastics in bad light, and then USA Gymnastics would pull out their funding from Safe Sport. So it was like this capital white supremacist patriarchal nightmare yep. <laughs> of harming athletes.
1: But essentially, this the story broke earlier this week, and Paul Riley was fired from the North Carolina Courage. Lisa Baird was, and their chief counsel. Um, I forget the person's name.
0: I it's another Lisa, Le- I think.
1: Lisa Levine, I think. Yeah. They were both, I think, probably forced to resign from their positions. And all of the games for the NWSL this weekend were canceled to, at the player's request. Um, and the NWSL did honor that bare fucking minimum.
0: It's also a way to save some PR, Like, it saves them a little bit. If the players had requested this time to say, you know, this has been a lot. We would like to not play the games this weekend because we need some time and space to be able to look at what the healing process looks like for everybody. But imagine if they said no. Players would be protesting. That would look even worse. The NWSL was forced into saying yes because if they didn't, it would be so much worse. So yeah, we can say like, you know, they did that at the request of the players, but also if they had said no, they would have been fucked. Also in their own best interest. And we'll talk a little
1: bit about that more later about how so many of these decisions have been made surrounding PR and saving face, covering your ass kind of stuff. And while it may look like they're taking action now, it's truly not enough because- we know the motivation behind it and it's not necessarily the player's best interest.
0: No, it's all defensive rather than being on the proactive. (laughs) Yeah. Rather than being proactive to make sure that players are being treated at the bare minimum with the respect that they deserve as like people. God forbid they're having to backtrack and be defensive.
1: So we, we have touched a little bit on this in the past, but the NWSL has, I mean, and women's professional soccer in the United States and pretty much worldwide, but we'll focus on the NWSL because that's what we're talking about. There are pretty poor working conditions. Not only do the people who play in this league have to play on shittier fields, turf fields, which is like not great. I don't know if you've ever played on a turf field, but it's fucking terrible. It like the little black things, little turf, like just it tears you up. It's not as comfortable as playing on grass. They have to stay in much worse hotels than any kind of men's league. And unless they are really famous players like Megan Rapinoe or Alex Morgan, Carly Lloyd, who have endorsements and get paid by U.S. soccer, is that right? Mm
0: -hmm. And by, like, Nike.
1: Yes. They likely make $31,000 or less a year, which is not a living wage. It's not enough, especially for the amount of like effort that they're putting in. And especially because men make so much more money to do the same, if not worse. This is not a new thing in women's soccer. It's not like, oh, the NWSL started in 2013 and they just suddenly had poor working conditions. This has been a thing since women's professional soccer came about in the United States. It has always been a part of the conversation. And because of that, they has been some fear in speaking out about not only the poor working conditions, the fact that so many of these uh, people who play in this league have to have other jobs. There's actually a movement going on right now called No More Side Hustles because the people who play in this league and give their hearts and souls and time and energy to playing in this and performing have to have another job just to be able to make ends meet, and that's not okay. Okay. But there's been some fear about speaking out about these things in addition to the awful, awful conditions that they have had to deal with with their coaches. And we'll get to how many coaches have done terrible things later with sexual assault, abusive language, emotional abuse, all kinds of terrible things. There has been fear of speaking out about that because they don't want another league to fold because there have been three, three, I think, leagues Prior to the NWSL that have folded after just a few years, the onus has been put on the, the players to not speak up and speak out about these things. Because it's like, if I do that, I don't want to be the one responsible for another league folding when it's already such an uphill battle in women's sports.
0: Yeah. And that's something that is, is still very clear in the conversations now because there are a lot of players that have been asked questions in res- in regards to this whole Paul Riley thing where they're afraid to say, like they, it's anonymously, they're afraid to say things because of the repercussions, not just for the league as a whole, but for them, they don't want to lose playing time, which then means that they could potentially be cut or maybe potentially not get other opportunities because other teams won't see how they can play and they can't get traded. Like there's, a, there's personal repercussions alongside of league repercussions that players are too afraid to potentially face because the league does not protect players. The league protects the league. And those are two separate things. They're not all one entity where the league encaps like encompasses the players. It's the league as a business entity and the players.
1: And there is an NWSL Players Association. So there is essentially like a union for these players, but As with a lot, it's like getting them to be recognized and listening to the demands of the players is a completely different ballgame than them having the group themselves. So something does exist, but are they being listened to? Are they like are the demands being met?
0: The executive director of the Players Association is Megan Burke. She used to play for the uh, WUSA and then WPS. Uh, The president is Tori Huster. The vice president is Rachel Corsi. The treasurer is Emily Mengus And the secretary is Nicole Barnhart. The advisory board chairwoman is Yael Averbush. And then the advisory board chairwoman is um, Tracy DeForge. And then there are players elected by teams.
1: A lot of things are happening that are not in the best interest of these players. But isn't that how it is always with the business? Because it comes down to money and power and not necessarily... Thinking about the humans who are helping you get
0: that money. And there have been, talking about players associations, there have been other players associations who have talked about fighting for accountability.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Now, and especially in conversation with the NWSL Players Association. So there have been stuff from the NWHL, which is the National Women's Hockey League, the NFL Players Association, which quite honestly would not have expected that. And then even like from their fans and the protests that happened in front of Providence Park to, to protect the players. And there has been a response from pretty much everybody under the sun, obviously in support of these players, but more than that in looking at the systemic abuse within the NWSL looking to bring attention and action to the systemic issues within the NWSL.
1: Yeah. And one thing I I don't know that we mentioned earlier about this is that a lot of this abuse, like when with Paul Riley that was reported, happened while he was the head coach of the Portland Thorns. And owner Merritt Paulson said that like when this was reported, that some of this was part of the reason they chose not to renew his contract. And while this wasn't stated publicly, like at the time, they just said that they chose not to renew. Apparently, Anna said that this information was given to the NWSL and nothing was done about it necessarily. And so he's was able to continue coaching. And so there's some accountability needed on so many different fronts. But this kind of leads us into the conversation about how many coaches of late have done awful things? And it's because of the bravery of those who felt like they had the space to speak out about this. It's like it created a PR nightmare for the NWSL and, so, and these teams. And so they took action. But it's not the first time that players have spoken up or brought these allegations forward. It's just because it was public and they needed to cover their asses.
0: Yeah, like a few months ago, Richie Burke, who is the coach of the Washington Spirit, was moved to the front office for, quote, health reasons. But they couldn't keep that front because the following day, a Washington Post article came out where Kaya McCullough, who was a player for the Washington Spirit and stopped playing because of Richie Burke, came out and talked about the abuse that she received. And in particular, the racist abuse that yeah. she re- was on the receiving end of as a result of Richie Burke. After that, they had a formal investigation, and only as of recently was he officially fired.
1: The, there was knowledge of his verbal abuse prior to him being brought on as coach of the Washington Spirit. I was comparing it earlier with Anna to like what happens like when cops do bad shit. A lot of times it's like they're put on administrative leave. Or, and then they get moved to different, they get moved to a different department, they get moved to a different police force in a different area. They're not actually fired. It's like they, the punishment doesn't exist. Like the accountability doesn't exist. It gets, they get moved somewhere else and they're allowed to continue the negative patterns. And so that's what's happening here as well. And only because it's like publicly known, not because it's the first time we're hearing of it. These players have come forward. It's because it's now in the public eye and they have to cover their asses and fire these people now. But it takes forever to even do it.
0: Yeah, the... The Utah Royals were allowed to exist as an organization for multiple seasons, despite the fact that Deloy Hansen, who was the owner of the Utah team, there had been many reports of racist verbal abuse, as well as sexist comments made, not just on the field as a result of Craig Harrington, who was the head coach, but also in the front office. There was a whole culture of upholding the patriarchal white supremacist capitalist structures. And that was the Utah Royals were a microcosm of that. And it wasn't until it became public that anything happened about it. Craig Harrington was forced to leave. And then Deloitte Hansen was essentially forced to sell the team, which is why we have the Kansas City team again.
1: We also have... Other instances of coaches being able to continue doing what they're doing long after abuse allegations have been made. Freed Benstiti, who until July was the head coach of OL Reign and had formerly been the coach of Paris Saint-Germain, Lindsay Horan has spoken incredibly publicly about how when she played for Paris Saint-Germain that he verbally abused her because of her weight, which is so fucking absurd, especially because Lindsey Rand didn't go to college and was playing for Paris Saint Germain when she was still a teenager, which is incredibly damaging behavior. Not that all of the shit that these other coaches have done is damaging, because it absolutely is. This is just another example, another instance. And he was supposedly resigned, I think forced, resigned, fired <laughs> um, from OL Rain in July because of an instance that happened on the field, which seems incredibly likely that there could be more of this abuse happening. And Elise LaHue, who was formerly of Sky Blue slash Gotham, she was also let go this summer, fired. But that happened way faster than so many of these instances. Um, She did violate their anti-harassment policy, is what they said, but so did a lot of these men. And this happened way fucking faster. And it seems like it can't be a coincidence that she is also a woman and people being held to a different standard.
0: Absolutely. And while Elise LaHue should have been fired if she violated the anti-harassment policy, there has been no discussion about what she did or or what happened. But if they found that she violated the anti-harassment policy, then she absolutely should have been let go. And that's totally fine. However, we have to use that same standard across the board. If you violate the anti-harassment policy, then you have to be fired. Like that's... It should be a one-to-one if you are a coach, if you are in these positions of power within organizations, then you have to be held to the same standard regardless of your gender. And that anti-harassment policy, by the way, is fairly new. That anti-harassment policy has not existed in the form that it exists now for the entirety of the NWSL's existence. That's a, a relatively recent development that was pushed forward by the league as a whole because they didn't really have something like that in place in a way that was effective. But- There were players who have a lot of clout to their name, like Alex Morgan, who were asking and really pushing for the anti-harassment policy because Alex Morgan was one of the people on the Portland Thorns when Monashim said something about what she was experiencing with Paul Riley, And Alex Morgan was one of the people on her team that asked for something to be done about it. When this new anti-harassment policy came forth, Alex Morgan was one of the people who was like, we really need this because she knew what happened to her fellow teammates. And she didn't want to see that happen again, which is not her responsibility as a player. Like that's not your job, but as a teammate, it is definitely your responsibility to make sure that like your fellow teammates feel safe when they don't have the resources that you have. Additionally, it was the league's responsibility to put something like that in play.
1: Yeah, it shouldn't have to be on the players. And in the, in an Equalizer article that Anna is going to pull up, there's a quote about where this responsibility has been placed. And as we've kind of stated, it's not been on the correct people. It has been put on the players, and that's not fair.
0: Yeah, so in an article in the Equalizer, like Jillian mentioned, there's a quote um, that says – Quote, power brokers have again placed the burden on its players who have perhaps been the game's lone consistent and professional leaders in its decades of existence, end quote.
1: But I mean, I think that begs the question, like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, what the fuck is this league doing without putting your players' best interests in mind?
0: Also, that quote came from the person who wrote that article because we talked about Meg Linehan, so I want to make sure that we give oh yes. credit where credit is due. That is Pardeep Khatri from The Equalizer. Nice. Thanks.
1: Luckily, there have been a lot of other players that have come out and made statements of support. I think we mentioned that a little bit earlier in the meantime. And so I think we're seeing a little bit of these players uh breaking that code of silence that we talked about earlier, sort of this sense of like we can't speak up, we don't feel like we have the place because we don't want to be the ones who are responsible for the league folding and all the other reasons that people stay silent because this shit is really hard, but a lot of people are speaking up and speaking out about this, and taking some of the power back, taking and just and fighting back in the midst of all of these terrible conditions. In the midst of everything, they are still fighting and and making their voices heard
0: in the midst of this. And players um, like um, Megan Klingenberg and Becky Sauerbrunn, who no longer hold positions on like the Players Association, um, but are veteran players in the league have made very strong statements about what needs to be done. What has been allowed to happen is, I think both of them almost verbatim said that it was bullshit. Yeah. And so when you have these veteran players, and for the players who didn't have the words, there's been a lot of like reposting of other things because to be expected to have the words is is an unfair expectation. Having these players who no longer hold positions on the Players Association or anywhere else in the league, but are respected veterans to have those kind of words of support with those words of support, demands of action. And with those demands of action, the time and the resources on the back end from those players to be able to not force something to happen, but to be willing to continue to push until something happens is really important despite the fact that it's not their fucking responsibility.
1: It absolutely is not. It's the league's responsibility and the league has to do better when paying attention to who it's fucking hiring. Okay. Like there are so many people out there. And if you hire somebody, don't make sure they don't have a pet, pa- like do a fucking background check. Like, I mean, I don't know. Like a it's
0: cursory like, Google, just a quick basic, little Google, basic stuff. Well, but that's the thing is that they have done them and they just overlook it. Yes. They they choose not to pay attention to
1: it. Yeah. 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 Which is, so do better, (laughs) be better. But I mean, now we have to ask the question, which is not a question that I think anybody wanted to ask, but we absolutely have to ask is like, what does the future look like for the NWSL? Where do like, where does the league go from here?
0: Yeah. What does better look like? Yeah. And there have been conversations around the league folding and the kind of um, burn it all down rhetoric has been utilized to say like, you know, we just need to start over because this is unsalvageable. And I think that's what a lot of players who didn't say something were afraid of. But also, how do you even begin to fix something that's so broken, which is a conversation we have about society all the time, right? Like, where do you start? With something that is so wrong. So, Meg Linehan, you know, who we love and support on this podcast, <laughs> <laughs> recently was on MSNBC, which is also a thing that we will get to in terms of how this is getting picked up nationally. But she said that women's sports traditionally have been built by men and are also trying to use the structures of men's sports. And that leads to problems in a major way.
1: That is sort of analogous to like, I think what we talk about, like Anna said, like society as a whole, but like when we talk about like the American system, it's like, oh, like our world is broken or this is broken. It's like, no, it's actually working as it was intended to. And I think something similar is in place too. It's like, no, we built this in the wrong it's like it was built in the wrong way it's not Mm -hmm. that it's working as it was intended to but it was built improperly so I mean I don't want to see the league fold absolutely not do I want to see the league fold as it currently exists absolutely like I do not want the current system and structures to exist like I mean it would take a complete overhaul I don't think it's impossible but it would take so much time and effort and you have to find people who are willing to do that And it shouldn't have to be the players. Their voices need to be taken into account, and they need to be the main priority and the central voices in that conversation. But they don't. That the responsibility is not theirs. They have done what they have done their jobs. Which is to be players.
0: Yes. With to Meg Linehan's point, there are not a lot of leagues for sports featuring women that have a following. Like right, there's the WNBA. And that's in its 25th season, and we're still playing games at weird times and weird arenas because they're not getting the respect that they deserve. It's obviously still structural problems there. But that league has, while it was originally built by men, and I'm not saying that there aren't problems in the WNBA, it has been taken over by women. And I think that there's something to be said for people who understand the power dynamics making a space where those power dynamics don't harm the people involved, right? So there are not a lot of male head coaches in the WNBA. There's a handful. There's not a lot of male ownership in the same way that you see in the NWSL, right? And like there are other professional women's leagues, the NWHL, which has plenty of issues because it tried to do something like the NHL. The NWSL tried to do something like the MLS. Those things don't work. They're not one-to-one ratios, and so when you try to make them one-to-one ratios, we fail to create something that supports the players. Yeah.
1: So this is obviously like broken national news. Um, this is this is a very loud conversation all of a sudden. Anna mentioned like Meg Linehan was on MSNBC which is a pretty big deal and ESPN was covering it and all kinds of other news outlets have picked this up and there has been some frustration from players because it's like oh so now you're going to cover us like now you're going to give us attention when things are blowing up you'll put us on you'll put us on your channel you'll put us in your news article but like where are you when we're doing good things on the field and when we're just existing as we should exist? Like,
0: and what's more, where are you when we're having tough conversations? Where are you? Because the thing is, is that if we only cover them when they're doing well, then we have an expectation. So when we only see them on Sports Center's top ten and we see Crystal Dunn fucking crush it out there, we see an amazing goal from Kaylia Watt. Like we miss out on all of the parts of women's sports that are really interesting. Yeah. So. We don't just want to be on the top 10, but we also don't only want attention on this league when shit hits the fan. There, has to there needs to be everything in the middle, like there are with the MLB, with the NFL, with the NHL. Like we need to have, with the NBA, we need to have the everything in between. Do you know how much attention Draymond Green has gotten this week because he's been talking about the goddamn vaccines? Too much attention. Too much attention. And that's just like a weird middle-of-the-road conversation about the NBA. But two weeks ago when we didn't know about any of this stuff, who was talking about the NWSL? Like you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't only have the good. You cannot – and you can't only have the bad. You have to have everything. Everything, yeah. Because otherwise we end up with this. I get notifications on my phone. The only parts of Apple News that I get are sports things. But I get sports notifications all the time. And this week, I've gotten two notifications about the NWSL, one from Bleacher Report and one from ESPN. Do you know how many times I've gotten NWSL reports from ESPN before? Never for the NWSL. Only for the U.S. Women's National Team.
1: There are probably people this week because of this
0: who now know the NWSL exists. I saw that on a tweet. When I was looking up those quotes from the Equalizer article, somebody like commented and was like, NWSL is National Women's Soccer League for those of you who didn't know because I didn't know until this week. Wow. Wow. Fuck. This conversation needs to happen. Like, we have to talk about what is happening. We have to talk about the bravery of Sinead Farrelly and Mana Shim. We have to talk about the bravery of players like Kaya McCullough. We have to talk about the repercussions against players, uh, against coaches like Paul Riley and Richie Berg. Paul Riley's U.S. soccer coaching license has also been suspended. Like, we have to talk about the fact that he... It, there's just, like, a mountain... Of abuse and to even think of picking away at all the things that Paul Riley has done over the past six years, because by the way, the things that happened to Sinead Farrelly were six years ago. The mountain of abuse that I'm sure players have received. And we've talked about how we don't like Paul Riley. We've talked about it before.
1: He's part of he's probably like the main reason we don't love the North Carolina courage. Not the only, but one of the big ones.
0: But doesn't it say something that Despite the fact that we didn't know about any of this abuse, we talked about the culture that he created at North Carolina with this underdog mentality and like this kind of weird culture that he's created. And we were able to talk about that without knowing about the rest of the abuse and knowing that that kind of- Bad shit. We knew bad shit. We knew that he was bad. He was intentionally creating a reality that wasn't real. He was working on setting these players up with the mentality and existing within a reality that the rest of us don't exist in. And that in and of itself is manipulation and abusive behavior. And we could pick that out before knowing the rest of the abuse that he has forced players to live through. We already knew that's wild. It's a problem. And people need to be paying
1: attention all the time. This needs to be talked about like this stuff and everything else needs to be talked about all the time so that we can see and experience this league in a more holistic way. Because it is not, like Anna said, it's not just the good and it's not just the bad. And these players deserve more than that. They absolutely do. So I don't I don't know what happens next. Obviously, there is going to be some kind of reckoning that will happen. And I hope the people at the center of the conversation, the voices who are at the center of the conversation, are the voices of the players because they
0: are who matter most in this. And, and to that teams that don't have players yet. Yeah. Angel City and San Diego both put out statements about how this is like abhorrent. The fact that we're having this conversation and even talking about how we have to protect players is like fucking absurd because that should be the norm. That it's a pretty basic norm. And so even player teams who don't have players yet are just like, Hey, what the fuck guys can we do better And, you know, there's – you can all all obviously look at Angel City, which is owned predominantly by women, who were very quick to put out a statement being like, this is absolutely not okay. okay. And, like, that's not what it's going to be like here, and we're not going to tolerate any of that shit. And they don't even have fucking players besides Kristen Press. But they also have a lot of former
1: players, who are a part of their ownership. And that makes a difference because they know what the fuck is up and they know how fucked up this shit has been literally forever.
0: Yeah, but like the fact that we have to wait until players are owners is stupid.
1: The fact that we have to um, expect people, like that it's not a norm for people to like know basic human decency and not to abuse people is, is fucked up. And to not hire people who have a pattern of bad behavior I mean like so like somebody we didn't mention was Christy Holly from Racing Louisville and like the oh, yeah. exact details around his firing have not been released but there were comments from players about like a toxic culture um from like one of the Louisville newspapers there were uh, there was a potential that he was like attached to like a bad investigation and like while he was a former coach at another team And so, Mm -hmm. like, while I don't know, like, we don't know all the details around that. It's that same kind of concept, though, right? It's like, don't hire people who have done not good shit. Like,
0: don't, don't, don't do it. (laughs) Also, as a result of that kind of investigation, um, Christy Rampone, Christy Rampone Pierce, Christy Pierce Rampone, I don't know what order she puts her names in, her, because she's engaged to... Christy Holly. She has postponed her inductment into the hall of fame until 2022 yeah as a result of especially now that these players have come out and said stuff there's i'm there's the potential for more people to say stuff about christy holly and so she's postponed her inductment until 2022 in hopes that things will be quieter i'm sure it's
1: an all-around very fucked up situation and i hope that everybody like who listens? We know there's not many of you, but like that you can understand like why we really felt like we needed to do a non-traditional episode, like where it's like we talked and it was like, it feels wrong to like, just like to have hat picks. Like this needs to be the central focus of what we're
0: talking about. This is so important. But the thing was, is that we didn't even talk about it. We both sent text messages at roughly the same time being like, Hey, like, maybe we don't have hat picks. Maybe we just talk about this because obviously we are not players we don't experience this in this way because we're not in the NWSL but we as as like people who experience who have who have been on the receiving end of sexism yeah can understand why we couldn't just say this is a hat drop this week because it is so much more than a hat drop it's a once again a systemic failure
1: yeah and so this is obviously not the end of this conversation it is unfortunately the beginning and the middle and it's nowhere near over but we wanted to put the focus on this and to absolutely like shout out the bravery of Sinead Fairley and Monashim and Kaya McCullough and everyone else who has not yet had the strength or chooses not to speak out because that is their choice like and this shit is hard like I've had to report something before, and it's really fucking hard. And, like, it was just harassment. Like, it wasn't even, like, not even to the same level of this. And it's so hard. And, like, it haunted me. And I, like, I can't – so I completely understand, like, when people don't want to say something, like, and we want to respect that and, like, hold them and, and like, hold space for that in this um, because – This is really, really fucking hard. And so this will not be the last you'll be hearing about this. Maybe it'll appear as a hat drop in an episode going forward. But like this conversation on this podcast is just starting. Like we are going to be continuing this. So yeah. So the conversation on this will continue. We want to see better from the NWSO. We hope pieces of shit like Paul Riley and Lisa Baird are gone. Like we need to see better. We want them out. Um, and all the other coaches who have done really fucking terrible things. Expect more from us on this. Thanks for listening and being with us on this different type of episode.
0: We I, I don't even know what we'll post on social media for this, but you can follow us at HatPicksPod on Twitter and on Instagram. And – if you have any questions about any of this or if you would like me to send you screenshots of the article because y- you basically all know us and you don't have my phone number, <laughs> 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 you can email us at hatpixpod at gmail.com and we'll get you the information for the article.
1: Well, on that note, I'm Jillian.
0: And I'm Anna. And this has been The Hatpix Podcast.